0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast brought to you by CornNation.com, one of the 300 plus uh, sports sites dedicated to your favorite teams uh, on SBNation.com and hosted JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. I'm Greg Mahochko and back after a couple of weeks off, we uh, really geared up the end of the regular season of uh, Big Ten College Basketball, and uh, in both women's and men's, uh, we talked a lot of basketball last few weeks, but we're talking football this week with my good friend and yours, Haas Reuter. Haas, welcome back, man. It's been a few weeks. How you been?
1: I've been good. You know, it's good to be back. Um, kind of, my Friday nights, you know, were suddenly, there was a Thursday <laughs> and Friday nights, there was a void. I, I didn't know what to do with myself.
0: Uh, well... No comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, water. Oh, okay. I, uh, w- working
1: on accounting homework, and I've been kind of ratcheting down on the diet the past couple weeks or so. So what? beers are for Friday night consumption only at this
0: point. Well, I am. Uh, I- I've gone the light beer route. And I'm uh, drinking a Craftig light. Are you familiar with Craftig? I am not. So it's it's really funny. Apparently, and I don't know how many years back, but apparently there was a little bit of a uh, um, a split in the Bush family, the, the famous Anheuser-Busch uh, family. So this is an offshoot. It's brewed in St. Louis, uh, and it's uh, the William K. Bush Brewing Company. And he was the – he's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to – Do things my way. Uh, But anyway, there's Craftig and Craftig Light. Uh, So I've had the Craftig before. Uh, Give the Craftig Light a try. Uh, A solid beer. I enjoy it. It's, you know, your pretty typical light beer. I'm looking to see here. uh, 109 calories. Eh. I don't know if that's good, bad, or otherwise, but it's good taste, good flavor for a light beer. So I I figure as we record this on a Wednesday evening, why not have a, a hump day beer? So, uh as I mentioned, we're we're going to be talking a lot of football, but we're going to be talking a lot of happy football, a lot of pleasant memories. Uh, it was your idea. Uh, I'm going to let you kind of explain the genesis of how you how you got this idea, how how it came to be, and then and then what we ended up turning it into.
1: Well, yeah, I was kind of thinking earlier in the week. One, I hadn't been on the podcast for a few weeks, and I figured a return was imminent. And uh, despite if any of our listeners out there don't like don't like me, well, guess what? I'm still here.
0: There is um, no listener. They there are the, the listeners want <laughs> like Haas and David or Haas and Patrick or Haas and John. They want more Haas, less Greg. That's the hundred percent feedback that I've got is they want less of me, but what they don't know is I have the recording equipment and the way to put it on the website. So I'm still useful for now. Continue. Hey, like I said, you're the skipper. No, no, I'm the Gilligan. <laughs> you're the skipper on this operation. You're the head coach.
1: I'm just the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. John's R. A. D.
0: Uh I, I already explained to you in, in the text message that I'm the associate or the assistant athletic director of the Foosball program. So
1: Well, don't sell yourself short. You're you're a key member of this outfit.
0: Alright. Well, if you say so. Oh, but sorry. uh yeah,
1: so I was thinking, you know, it's like, you know, Right now, there's not a uh, not a lot of football on the field news, you know, except for a few tidbits from winter conditioning. And um, there's, you know, I'm still working through breaking down film of the Frost offense and kind of waiting until the coaches' clinic in the spring game to start putting together articles and breakdowns on it. So I figure, why not kind of go with a historical bend. Nebraska football, and tonight we'll do top five favorite wins in a non championship, national championship season. So sorry, can't say beating Florida 62 to 24 for the older folks, drubbing Alabama 38 to six. So we're going to keep it, you know, non title season. And next week we'll do, are we doing it tonight with the
0: five worst gut punch losses or is that next week we've we've got to have that be its own show we can't uh i I don't think i could i could put all of that together that's too much you know that's too many highs and lows for one episode so yeah
1: that's riding the roller coaster
0: yeah and and you mentioned it you know when you first uh and the only reason i'm i'm adding this part of the of the uh genesis if you will the origin story as you mentioned you know let's do like our favorite plays or our favorite you know uh wins from these non-championship uh seasons and i said man let's do a top five and i said there's a podcast you should listen to and it's called uh, tom and jim's top five and it's of course available where all of your favorite podcasts are um it's a it's kind of a, a a ground swelling of I don't know, an, an underground... Anyway, uh, it's two guys who are about my age, so think in the 30 to 35 range, and all they do is they take a topic. It could be any topic. Like, recently, because of the Olympics, they did their top five Winter Olympic sports. Um, they've done top five, you know, their favorite movies, their favorite... Uh, uh, You know, Nintendo games, their favorite school lunches. One of my favorite episodes, and this brought back a lot of nostalgia for me. This is why I listen to the show because uh, it's very much nostalgia. But their one of their uh, recent episodes was top five uh, PE sports, Uh, be you know like the floor hockey or dodgeball or you know things like that. So a lot of nostalgia, a lot of laughs, you know. And it's about like our show. It's just a couple of guys, a couple of friends who are uh, you know just talking and killing time and you know, kind of catching up every week. So, uh, check that out. It's, again, uh, Apple Podcast, uh, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, which, by the way, we're on all of those platforms now. And it's called Tom and Jim's Top 5. And tell them that uh, Greg from uh, the 5 Heart Podcast sent you because they're expecting a check, and I'm poor, so I'm not going to send them a check, but I'll send them some listeners, hopefully. <laughs> so, um, so, anyway, this week we're doing our favorite wins... Uh, husker football wins I had to get really specific on that Facebook post uh, uh, courtesy of salt because he wanted to get kind of dare I say salty <laughs> and and uh, we'll get to his uh-huh. we'll get to his uh, answers here after a while but uh, top five favorite husker football wins uh, game wins and non-championship seasons next week we'll do the gut punches we'll do the ones that just you know kick to the nads
1: um, I'm gonna needs I'm definitely gonna have a beer. Yeah, we might plenty not. of beer with me this we, week because,
0: we, yeah, we can't record that one on a Wednesday night. There, there's going to be needing to be too much beer being poured, uh, you know, and, and drank. So, um, I'm gonna. Let All you, I can
1: say as a sneak preview to anyone is lakeven
0: Smith. <laughs> well, i i can't I can't even give a sneak preview on mine because it's going to give away the whole thing and everybody's going to know where I stand. But I'm pretty sure that everybody know, you know. The, the one that I'm thinking is my number one is probably everybody else's. It's got to be in their top five. Um, so anyway. If, if it's what I'm thinking of, it's not in mine. So. Interesting. I can't uh, wait to have yeah. that discussion next week. Um, yeah. So this was your idea, so I am going to let you uh, start with your number five.
1: Uh, yeah, number five, top five favorite win Um even though it was a non-conference game in a season that, you know, didn't end very well, except for firing Bo Collini. Um, 2014 Miami, uh, you know, the crowd was hostile, angry. Amir Abdullah ran wild for 229, I believe, against Miami. and It was just great after, you know, I started following Husker football after, you know, the 01 season, you know, when we played Miami in the Rose Bowl and you know, the history of Miami going back and Orange Bull's past. So to um, to see us play Miami in Lincoln finally and then, you know, just to physically dominate them on both sides of the ball along the offensive line, defensive line, that was one of my top you know, that's my top number five game. And the you know, what's funny about that game is the day itself for me at least was not Exactly a great one. I had just bought a car a couple weeks before, and I was on my way to Lincoln with a buddy of mine. We were gonna try to buy tickets, scalp tickets before the game, and my alternator went out Ooh. between Greenwood Waverly on Highway Six, and had to get it towed to a shop and call back to Omaha and then watch the game at a buddy's place. So um, that game, it was you know, you could almost say I don't want to say cathartic. It was just a uh, it was a release of all the Miami hatred you know and fights were breaking out on the field you know Randy Gregory terrorizing uh Brad Kaya just oh man yeah I would have loved to have been at that game had my uh, Volkswagen Passat not decided to blow out its <laughs> alternator on the way down
0: um yeah and and as you said you know it was, it was non-conference it was ended up being you know Pelini's final season and and Obviously, things didn't go too well for Nebraska the following year at Miami. But I remember, you know, I watched that game, same as you and, and same as probably most Husker fans, with just so much anticipation. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and when they won, because it's, you know, even, yeah, Miami was down a little bit. But, they you know, they still had Duke Johnson. And I thought that the defense did a really nice job of, of containing him. Um, and Brad Kai was a little bit younger at the time, I, I think. Was he a redshirt freshman yeah, or sophomore? He was a freshman. Yeah, so true freshman. Oh, true freshman. So, you know, he would he would turn out to be a, you know, I guess a good little quarterback for them. But but yeah, there was, not knowing at the time that it was going to be Pellini's last year, and getting that big non-conference win, even though, you know, it's not like I don't think Miami was ranked, but you know, getting a, a win over perceived non-conference rival you know you've had some historic clashes with them in the past i could absolutely see uh you know and it was a night game if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. and so everybody else you know you know all the fans were a little keyed up for it so yeah that that was that was an exciting atmosphere and and a a fun win good good pick on that one um i i've my number most of my are either conference games or bowl games i've found uh, for some reason, those were just the ones that stuck out to me. My number five is uh, a couple years before that. Actually, I, you know, let's look back several years before that. Two thousand nine. Uh, it was a cold and rainy Thursday night in October uh-huh. at Missouri, uh, and Nebraska goes on the road down twelve nothing to start the fourth quarter and come back and score twenty seven unanswered points. Uh, you know. And Su had an interception and a sack. Jared Crick had a sack. What I liked about this, though, is it was it was the first time that Nebraska won in Columbia since 2001. If you can you know believe that they'd had made four trips there, uh, or I guess it would have been their fourth trip there. If I'm off the top of my head, if I'm going by the every other rule, you know, o three, o five, o seven, and and uh, 09. So it's the first time that they'd won there since 2001. Just, it seemed like a great atmosphere. I think they said something like 62 or 65,000 know, people were packed in, and nothing better than sending a Tigers fan home cold and wet and losers. Uh, I watched this one at our old house. Um, it was a Thursday night, so I think my, I gave my wife the, uh, the main room TV, and I watched this in, in what I called my, my study. To where I had my desk, actually, the the very desk that I'm using the setup, but it's also where I had like all my comics. It, if I had a man cave, if you could you know quantify it as that, that was my man cave. I'm pretty sure my dog was in there at, at some point. My wife was probably out watching Grey's Anatomy or something on the other TV, but I was back in in the in the smaller room watching the game and and uh, yeah, it's just okay. I've got I've got to admit this for anybody who doesn't know. Before I moved to Nebraska. I didn't follow college football really at all. I'm from Illinois. Illinois football has not really been very good in my lifetime. I mean, they've had a few peaks here or there, but I never really came from a football family. We, we enjoyed, you know, growing up it was baseball. You know, Cardinal baseball was 20 minutes away and basketball. I uh, grew up playing a lot of those two sports, never played football. Uh, so I didn't follow college football really at all. I get out to Nebraska, Shadron, Dawes County, represent uh, county number 69, Giggity, um, and on a Saturday, my first on-air, as a professional radio person, my first on-air job was uh, to announce the Sheridan County Fair Parade through Main Street, Gordon, Nebraska, and the the guy who was co-hosting co-announcing with me who would end up being my roommate for a couple of years out there he says so I got to ask because you're the sports director coming in uh, you know where do your loyalties lie for uh, you know college football and I, I I don't know if I trolled or if I just didn't have a real answer but I said well you know I could try to you know pander to the, the listeners and say nebraska or I could try to curry favor with my boss and say Colorado because my boss was Colorado Buffaloes fan nobody's perfect but he's a good guy who gave me my first job at 21 I says so I just went completely like I, I didn't even say Illinois I said Missouri and and then I and, oh. well let me finish then I had to stand by that for a couple of years because I didn't want to be I didn't hey. want to appear wishy-washy um, but it was 2006 and I'll remember it because it was my, uh, my final fall out there when I, I moved in uh, to a house with a a bunch of people uh, and they were all Husker fans. I I didn't, my roommate that I I mentioned previously, he was not a a college football fan and he wasn't from Nebraska. So he didn't understand it. Uh, But the people that I moved in with, they were from, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Sydney and they were, you know, they were from out West, but they had that, that I don't know, that passion. And so I gravitated towards that passion because it was just fun to be, you know, passionate about, College football. I really, even though I said Missouri, it was more on the trolling basis of of the listeners. So when Nebraska went in 09 and beat Missouri and Columbia, that was, I was like, yeah, good job, guys. You know, I, anyway, I, I I was never really a Husker fan, or I mean, I'm going to edit that out. Uh, I was never really a Missouri fan. I was just a troll. I'm sorry, guys. I never really meant it uh go big red. That, am, am I off the hook now, Hoss? You are. Okay. You are. You
1: know, um, it, it came full circle and uh you you ended up back in a good horse instead of a Missouri tiger and uh well, all is forgiven. I well, thank you very much, man. That 09 game though. That man, I didn't really think of that one when I was going through mine, but I remember sitting at the uh, end of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter when we were still down twelve nothing. I remember sitting there during a commercial break, just kinda of thinking to myself, where do we go from here? You know? <laughs> getting shut out, twelve nothing, offense, you know. You thought that was gonna be the lowest just, that they'd ever get. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile you know, I mean, it, the Huskers then said, Hold was, my beer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know what's funny, I mean, I even felt like the defense was playing like shit you know in that game even though we had only given up what a, a touchdown a field goal and a safety on a botched uh, on a bad snap down in our own end zone when we were trying to punt and yeah i mean it's funny how that just all turned around you know exactly hits uh niles paul on a deep post route yep. off the mills concept or pin concept depending on what school of thought you're from and then um I'm trying to think of the second touchdown
0: well, it was right. It was right after a second touchdown a, uh, was to
1: Mike McNeil.
0: Yeah, it was right after. If I if I remember correctly, wasn't it right after? Yeah, a, a goal. Turnover?
1: Was at the interception. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. The tight end oh shit screen throwback to Mike McNeil, and then uh, let's see if I can. see. Third one was that uh, another Niles Paul touchdown, and then Roy Halew salted the game away, and yeah, that one felt good because, I mean that period of oh three to oh eight you know and before leading up to the oh nine game it was just you know burning hatred for missouri i didn't hate mizzou as much as i hated colorado at the time but i just got so sick of you know brad smith chase daniel yeah. uh martin rucker all uh, all those guys david overstreet jr you know in oh five uh come back to tie it at 24 at halftime and first drive of the second half, driving, you know, Terrence not on a slant route on fourth and three. He runs down to the three-yard line then gets stripped by Overstreet and Mizzou recovers, then goes 97 yards in the opposite direction. And uh, the 07 and 08 games, I mean, they don't even need to discuss those. Those are just ugly. So, yeah, that 2009 one was great. It would have been a lot better had we capped that off the next week by beating Texas Tech and then, you know, maybe the Iowa state game with seven turnovers doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. And for, for this, you got to remember who Missouri had at QB in this game too. It was Blaine Gabbert, um, you know, and, uh-huh. and he was competent and efficient through the first three quarters, doing enough to keep his team, you know, with the lead. But, yeah, something happened, you know, there, there was a synapse or something that fired between the third quarter and the fourth, and, and uh, the, the team came alive, which, which uh, again, great, you know, exactly what we wanted to see. So, what what's your number four then, Haas? All
1: right, my number four is a pretty recent one, um, 2015 Michigan State, thirty nine 39-38. That a was a help. game that, even though we were just coming off losing to Purdue the week before, and... The game that I think everyone would wish that we could just scrub from our memory banks here in Nebraska. Um, I remember leading up to that game that Thursday night, or Thursday, I was at work, and I had a coworker ask me if I was going to the game. And I was like, nah, you know, I think I'm just going to watch it at home. And then as I was sitting there, I was kind of thinking, you know, weird stuff happens in Nebraska-Michigan State games. You know, like the blowing them out in 2011, That crazy game with Taylor Martinez and the fourth down conversions in East Lansing in twelve, the thirteen game, you know where we really played really well but still got beat by thirteen points, and then in fourteen the late comeback that came short, came up short along with you know Demorne's punt return in that game, but then in fifteen, you know despite coming off that loss to Purdue on a whim, I was like, you know what, I am going to buy tickets. I ended up scoring tickets like for like 40 bucks a piece way under his value. And I think no one really knew what to expect as that game kicked off. I remember the atmosphere at Memorial stadium was kind of one more of obligation rather than, you know, excitement It was kind of, Hey, yeah, we're here because this is what we do. And, uh, I remember my score prediction still from that game. I said it was going to be 25-21. I thought it would be, you know, that that we'd pull it off. But, you know, that was just the homer pick. But, yeah, early in that game, you know, you could, you know, kind of see that Nebraska came ready to play, that we, you know, we went up 10 points, 10 nothing on them at one point. And then after that, it was just that back and forth. We couldn't stop McGarrett Kings or Aaron Verbridge, And Connor Cook was throwing dimes, as he usually did. And uh, then I remember, you know, when we were down 38-26 with a few minutes left, my dad and I went to go leave. You know, we thought, well, that's it. You know, we didn't recover. No, it wasn't when we were down 38-26. Sorry. It was when we were down 38-33 and we didn't recover the onside kick. And we started walking, you know, down from the upper new east balcony. And they had said that, you know, we heard on the radio that, you know, we had Michigan State in the third and eight. So we hurried back in, you know, and we were watching it just from some random vantage point in the east balcony. And, you know, got the ball and Tommy hits Jordan Westercamp, you know, a couple times to get us down into position. Then I'll never forget you know, um, seeing that ball just floating in the air as Brandon Riley ran underneath of it to catch it. And, I mean, I've never hugged so many strangers in my life. Uh, just total excitement and you know that that one felt good it was just you know at the time I thought it was kind of a uh, you know something that we you could build off of and it kind of you know in the context of the 2015 season it was because we were able to you know go on the road the next week beat Rutgers and then gave Iowa hell on Black Friday but couldn't quite get it done then you know we go to the bowl game beat UCLA but yeah that was uh, that was a great game just the shootout back and forth. We actually had some semblance of a running game for the first time all year in that game, especially with moving Zach Stirrup over to right guard with Nick Gates getting back from being injured that year. And um, I, I remember that was that was one of the few times that I partook in the uh, run the damn ball Langsdorf uh, <laughs> phenomenon, where down inside the red zone, Tommy threw a couple of picks that. Thankfully, we were able to stop Michigan State after the interceptions, but that game could have been a little bit different and not quite as a heart attack-inducing had, you know, the play calling down in the red zone been a little bit better. And uh, did the, Lincoln was like Mardi Gras after that.
0: Did the controversy at the end take away from it at all? or
1: You know, a little bit. Uh, I remember I was celebrating when, you know, an old timer next to me who had a uh, radio headset on, you know, tapped me on the shoulder and he said it was going to be reviewed. And, you know, I couldn't get a good vantage point in the stadium. And that was when the big 10 network or big 10 still wouldn't let official review replays be shown on the video boards. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember not really knowing what to think, just trying to, you know, still, you know, kind of picture it in my mind, you know, after what you know of what i had just seen and i just kind of figure you know what we've gotten screwed on enough calls over the years like i'm gonna take this one hook or crook you know i don't care I, I mean if they call it a touchdown i'm not gonna care about the controversy right sure enough they give us the touchdown then when i was able to get back home from lincoln that night and watch the game you know before going to bed seeing it you know with multiple replays it was, it was clear that you know by letter of law, by letter of rule of the illegal touching rule, that that D B, while he didn't draw, you know, physically contact Riley out of bounds, his presence was enough to force Riley out of bounds, you know, and come back in. So yeah, I have I have no problem with that controversy. Take it any way you can get it. I,
0: I agree with you, and that was a fun one. That was I don't have that on my list, but I, I do remember just sitting there watching the game and and feeling. I mean, I guess this is the the unfortunate part of being in Illinois when I'm a Nebraska fan. Is I I, I, I don't get the full experience of all the the uh, in stadium energy, but I can still feel quite a bit of it. Uh, you know, they uh, and and Big Ten Network's better at this than you know if the game's on you know ESPN or, or something like that. But yeah, before the game when they do show the tunnel walk and they do show you know, the team making its way onto the field, I get goosebumps, man. The, the hair stands up on the back of my neck. I can't imagine. I it, I got to wear an adult diaper if I ever go experience that stuff in person, man, because I'm going to wet myself. It's there, there's something about for me and, and I say this just for me, there's some serious like uh, mystique or intrigue about Memorial Stadium because I haven't Yet experience the game inside. So when I do, I man, I, I'm I will weep. There is a good chance that I will weep. I will be that guy crying, and I don't have to be. You know, like the seventy year old. This is my first game, and I've been a Husker fan for fifty years. I, I it could be next year. It probably won't be. I know the funds. I know the bank account. It won't be next year. Um, but you know, I, I'll be, I will have that those emotions. Of somebody who's waited his whole life to take in that experience, because I've waited my whole Husker life. Like my my, you know, talked moments ago, you know about about uh, you know when I when it really started for me. But I, I was like reborn a Husker fan, you know. I was like mm-hmm. baptized in fire, so to speak. Um, so I will have those emotions, but yeah, to have that to, to feel that energy even through the TV screen and to you know get that. Mm. Uh, you know, so, so yeah, when when Riley made that catch, I wasn't—I was like you. I wasn't worried about how they're going to, you know, call it or if they were going to change the call. I was basking in the excitement and in the moment. Um, so yeah, it's. It, I think what, what we'll find, especially as we get closer to my number one, or, or especially when we get to my number one, is. It, most of my picks I don't think are, you know, like, oh, it's my favorite because it was a technical win. Those boys went out there and they played a heck of a- but it's about the, the emotion and, and and what it what it meant to me to experience that game again, even from a distance. That's why two of the three games I've taken in person, I you know, I I'll have to put those on the on the gut wrenching list because they were losses. And the the only one that was exciting, the only one that was a win was this past uh, season up in Champagne, and there wasn't a whole lot of excitement about it. It was just a Friday night, cold Friday night in Champagne. So, uh, I digress.
1: That game seems like it was twenty years ago already. After Doesn't what it? transpired this
0: fall, yeah, it, it's been. Uh, and, and I know we'll certainly get talking to this as we get further in the off season. But yeah, it's it. You can't. It, it seems like fall practice should be starting up soon, not spring practice. But uh, I don't know. my, you got to go back to New Year's Day. 2014, for my number four, it's the Gator Bowl against Georgia. Ooh. Uh, okay, it's a little, okay. it's a little on the recent side, but it was history. It there was some, there was some history yeah. to be made in that 24 to 19 win. Uh, you'll have a record was made that day that will never be broken. It can only be tied, and that's the longest play from scrimmage. Tommy Armstrong connects to Quincy Nunwa. 99 yards. I was, you know. Able to watch that game live. I didn't have any, you know, plans. Bowl games. I, I really tend to just be able to take it in. Uh, if for whatever reason I, I've had to work, you know, I'll obviously DVR it. If, but I always watch the game. I always sit there. New Year's Day is special for me because I, I don't go out party and drink on New Year's Eve. So I'm home and sober. And this game was just so much fun. Uh, it was. You look at in the in the last few uh, years how the two programs have have uh, differed, if you will. You have Nebraska that's fallen a little bit uh, from, you know, January 1st, 2014. It's just been, you know, four years and a couple months. And you had Georgia that was just shy, or, or I should say, just played in a national championship game, um, you know, SEC champions. And, and so while it may have been the, I don't know, the start of – I would say the start of something, you know, of a of a downward trend. Uh, but we did beat an SEC team in a semi-meaningful game. I mean, it was the Gator Bowl. What I liked about it, uh, we mentioned in uh his ninety-nine-yard touchdown uh, reception was his twelfth of the season, and that broke Johnny Rogers' record of eleven uh, touchdown catches that he set, uh, you know, back in nineteen seventy-one. There was a little bit more history made that day as well. Amir Abdullah, who's gone on and have himself uh, quite a career in the NFL, he tied a single-season mark of 100-yard rushing games with the names of uh, Mike Rozier, Lawrence Phillips, and Amon Green. Uh, so from those aspects, they were, uh, you know, just, I don't know, it, great efforts uh, by this team on, on a day when, uh, you know, it, I don't think many people expected Nebraska to win that game uh, against the Georgia Bulldogs. And so on uh, a New Year's Bowl against a, uh, an SEC, you know, traditional SEC powerhouse, I think that that meant a lot uh, to, uh, you know, the players and, and, and you know, show, showed what they were capable of. And I think that's something that maybe may have been lacking in the last, uh, uh, particularly this past year, I don't think we appreciate. I, I know we recognize it, but I don't know if we appreciated Tommy Armstrong's toughness until we didn't have Tommy Armstrong under center.
1: I agree with you on that, and I, I'm a noted critic of Tommy Armstrong. But um, looking back on what he was able to do as a freshman, with you know, like engineering the drive against Michigan in 2013 to win there at the end on that option pitch to Amir and then, you know really you know the Gator Bowl against Georgia and other games throughout you know in the into the Riley era he he was a he was a tough, tough hombre and he you was know, a gamer. he was even with his warts of throwing interceptions you know and just having some boneheaded decisions that he made on the field um he was he was a weapon for us and he, you know we won games because of him not in spite of him
0: i'll say this <sighs> I, would you probably have to go back to Zach Taylor to maybe think of the last quarterback that we had who just wasn't plagued by bad decisions? Because we saw plenty of yeah. Tanner Lee. I mean, yeah. we saw plenty yeah, from Tanner I would, Lee. I would have to agree. And Tommy, which you mentioned, and, and Taylor, love him to death. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about him uh, as the list goes on. But. You know, just the, the, the YOLO bombs as they became known. Zach Taylor – well, no, I take that back. Joe Gans.
1: Well, even in Gans' senior year, he made some, he had some boneheaded decisions. I can think of a pick against Virginia Tech and one against Texas Tech. Um, but, yeah, I would have to say going back to – man, I, I, I don't know. Because I'm kind of weighing it out now. and Yeah, I mean, I can make case for Joe Gans. Um, I can even make case in the limited action that we saw Zach Lee, even though, you know, that offense is pretty moribund. But, yeah, I would have to say probably going back to Zach Taylor, Joe Gans at the very least. And, again, that's kind of a limited sample size as well.
0: So what is your number three? Because I feel like eventually we're going to start, you know, as the Ghostbusters would say, crossing the streams. We're going to find some commonality soon. But what's your number three?
1: Uh, 2010, Kansas State, down okay. in Manhattan.
0: All right. Taylor See?
1: Martinez was a Heisman frontrunner. Bill Snyder said after the game that they got their fannies waxed.
0: I actually oh. have that as one of my honorable mentions. So uh, uh, we're, we're getting there.
1: That was just oh my god! That was just such a such a great game. Um, yeah, Martinez running wild. Uh, Halo ran wild. Burkhead had a good game. Um, Levante David just stopping Daniel Thomas dead on his tracks on that fourth down. You know that Case State went for on their opening drive really just set the tone. Can I you? Would, that was really the last time that you know sitting and watching a Nebraska game that it the opponent just, you know, and a decent opponent at that just had no answer for us.
0: Can you uh, just uh, think of, yeah, think that, of that backfield, that think of that running. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but you know, as, as we, was yeah, as we record over Skype and, and we don't, can't see each other talk, so there's no you know way to know. <laughs> but uh, think of that backfield or, or that, you know, running back rotation when you have Roy Hulu Jr. and Rex Burkhead.
1: Yeah, we were, we were spoiled. Um, for a good stretch of years, uh, despite a lot of critiques of the Bellini era, we recruited tailbacks pretty well. I know Halu was a Callahan recruit. They have Roy Halu and Rex Burkhead, and then following that lineage, Amir Abdullah. Uh, we, we were really spoiled in 2010 with Halu and Burkhead. You know, and it was kind of weird for a good, pretty much that entire season. They were just complementary pieces to Taylor Martinez's running ability. Right. So. Here's another name. I w- yeah, that was a... Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, that game, at that point, you know, I remember sit- watching the post-game coverage on ESPN, and, you know, everyone was talking that Nebraska was back at that point, and I remember we climbed up in the poll to number four before that Texas game a week later. That did not go according to plan, to put it one way. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I mean, at that point, it was just everything was looking great, and that was really the apex of the Pellini era.
0: I had my, my notes that I had on that. Uh, of course, Nebraska wins that game. Uh, it was another Thursday night game. It, it's weird because I mentioned the Missouri game that was uh, a year prior, which was uh, the Thursday, October eighth, and this was Thursday, October seventh, two thousand ten. So maybe that's just what we need to do. Maybe we need to get that, you know, first. Thursday of October, you know, primetime slot back and, and uh, shine, But that was a 48-3 to three win. My notes had that – I had that as Taylor Martinez coming out party. He had 241 yards on 15 carries. Um, I had – I kept – on my honorable mentions, I kept my notes short. So I had unending cheering as my notes, Roy Hillu Jr. And here's a name that I think oftentimes Husker fans forget about uh, because we've had some decent uh, – well, we had a couple decent tight ends since then when you think of, like, Stephen Carter. But Kyler Reed, I always really appreciated oh, Kyler yeah. Reed uh, and, and what he was able to bring, uh, you know, playmaking. He had some good hands. Uh, he was able to move down the field a little bit. Uh, and and I I don't want to say he was underutilized. I don't really think he was. But um, And I don't want to say underappreciated, but I think maybe he's gone a little bit forgotten.
1: A little bit. And now you mention him. I, I, he was... A- nice weapon off the play action off the quarterback run game that year i mean that k-state game he had a long touchdown against oklahoma state he had a long touchdown against missouri he had a long touchdown um yeah i mean that's kind of kind of a deep cut
0: and uh as you mentioned you know things we got kind of brought back down to reality i actually had this in my notes uh uh, after Kyla Reed, I said downbeat the next week, Nebraska hosted Texas and that sucked. <laughs> that's I, that's oh, what that. I had to say I, about that.
1: I about had an aneurysm that, that day. Fuck. no yeah. <laughs> my language, but man. So that, was, a,
0: uh, that was your number three. Uh, yep. My, and, and again, as I mentioned, that was my honorable mention number two. Uh, my number three was uh the largest comeback in program history. I don't have to say much more than that. Ohio State, October eighth, another another first you know week of October, you know first ten days of October. That was two thousand eleven. Uh, winning that one at home, thirty four twenty seven. Of you know we we talked about this in in one of our more recent conversations. Actually, when we put a bow on uh, on the recruiting with uh, uh, Rick Cohn, and, and we talked about the Joe Bowserman pass chart. So I get to use that image again. <laughs> Uh, in the post, but uh, uh, Stanley Jean-Baptiste, you know, things don't happen unless he's willing to move, you know, change positions, because there's a good chance that nobody else is going to make that interception. Um, As I mentioned, largest comeback in program history was another, uh, you know, Saturday night primetime game, and that was people looked at that game, and we look back at it fondly, but at the time, they looked back at that like, oh my gosh, Nebraska just knocked off Ohio State. Who cares if it was the backup quarterback? This is going to be big yep. things for Big Red. It didn't necessarily look out, you know, turn out that way, but man, we... That that brought a lot of positive feelings back to Lincoln. When, when Ohio State came in, we were down as much as we were down, and we were able to come back and win the game.
1: Yeah, uh, especially coming off of getting drubbed up in Madison the week before in our first you know Big Ten conference game ever, um, that Ohio State win was pretty, I mean, it's going to sound understated, but it was nice. And until Levante David stripped Braxton Miller of the ball in the third quarter, I mean, we were dead in the water. We we weren't doing anything offensively, and we were getting gashed defensively by Braxton Miller and Carlos Hyde. And um, I've never seen a game, the complexion of a game, swing so rapidly, like it did with Levante David, you know, stripping the ball. And I mean, after that, it was just an onslaught. It was an avalanche that we buried Ohio State under. And just uh, I wish we could do that to Urban Meyer these times.
0: (laughs) what is your favorite image from that game like if you had to uh look back through you know any picture that you've seen or any replay if you had if you could take just one still image from that game what would it be because i i got one in my head but i want to know if it's the same as yours
1: probably that sidestep that rex burkhead put on the ohio state as he caught the outlet swing pass off the option you know play action pass and just once he sidestepped him,
0: I mean, no one was at home to stop him, and
1: just that was
0: fantastic. See, my my single favorite image from that game is Burkhead Superman diving to get the ball to break the plane because um, he was yep. he was right there by the pylon too. So I mean, it, it it was important that that he you know really extend, but that that was. You know, it, and and a very close second. Like, if that's one A, then one B is Jean Baptiste laying out for that interception mm. uh, because that was a wide receiver move. That you know, this you know kid who just switched positions. I, I mean, it was just that week, right? I mean, he he wasn't yeah yeah he wasn't ingrained as a as a defensive back the whole season, learning everything. He's just like, uh, we're short handed. Uh, SJB, go please uh, if you don't mind. We'd appreciate the help, and then you know he was able to parlay that into you know never having to pay for a drink in Lincoln ever again. So that worked out pretty well for him. Um, so that that was that was a uh, you know like I said a wild night, and and like you said, coming off that loss at Madison the, the week prior, and that that's probably going to pop up at least in my honorable mentions if it's not in my top five next week. Um, but yeah, that. That was a that was a fun night. That was a fun night in Lincoln, like the Michigan State game that you mentioned. You know, the the joint was rocking uh, when when Ohio State left with their heads. Now I won't say heads hanging down, but you know, with with, with the loss. So, uh, moving on to number two, let's hear it.
1: I affectionately call this game the night the lights went out in Lincoln because it was just insanity 2009 nebraska oklahoma okay. what time is it norman 10 to 3 <laughs> that game i i was i was just out of high school i was working my first job out of high school and had a little bit of money and a buddy of mine spent 140 bucks each on student tickets for the game because we were just bound and determined to go to the nebraska oklahoma game and um, that I've, I've been in louder stadiums. You're a lot, been a part of louder crowds at Nebraska games, but I've never seen a crowd so loud, start to finish, just angry. Um, a close second to that would be Nebraska, Iowa in 2015, the Tommy Armstrong four interception game. That crowd was hostile and mean to start the game, but tapered off as the game went on. But in 09, I mean, you could feel the energy in the air. It was kind of, uh, it was what's that line from that movie, The Program? Time to put the women and kids to bed and go out looking for dinner. It was that <laughs> kind of mindset right. in the stadium that night. I mean, and I mean, we were on defense the majority of the game. Oh, you held the football for 38 and a half minutes, racked up, you know, 25 first downs to our six. I think they had close to 400 yards, but we just kept, you know, I mean, it was all through the air pretty much. You know, they weren't able to establish a running game. And, I mean, it was just time after time. Nebraska's defense was out on the field. The crowd was juiced. Um, I didn't have a voice for about four days after that game. And just like Prince of interception to get down to the one-yard line to put us into scoring position – and Sue terrorizing Landry Jones, Matt O'Hanlon's three interceptions, Philip Dillard played a great game in underneath coverage against OU's backs and slot receivers. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was was the definition of a, you know, a gladiatorial gladiator match. I mean, it was just back and forth, you know, a defensive slugfest and, I mean, if Nebraska had an offense that year, oh, you would have been in serious trouble that day. I mean, they just, you know, they couldn't do anything. I mean, they did march a little bit between the 20s at times, but every time they get into the, you know, get into threatening position, something, you know, tip ball, Phillip Dillard picks it off, Matt O'Hanlon picks it off, you know, three different times. Um, man, I just. I almost feel like I need to go rewatch that game on YouTube <laughs> or something. Just cause I'm sitting here thinking about it, going, "That was such a fantastic game."
0: And it's funny with the the weapon that we had on special teams that you know we didn't get, you know, even more field goals. And and the reason I say that, you, you might find this surprising, you might not. Uh, that one actually, uh, it's not that it was not on my radar, but it, it didn't make it on my list. My number two, you got to go. A couple of months past that, to the 0-9 Holiday Bowl, uh, December Hoo-hoo, 30th yeah. against Arizona. Uh, if you think about it, that's the first time that NU ever shut out a team in the postseason with that 33 nothing win. Um, none of the stats are really, I don't know, I don't know, glaring. I mean, Rex Burkhead uh, was the leading rusher for the game, but only had 89 yards. Um, it was just that. It was just that type of, of game where for whatever reason, just everything that Nebraska did, you know, seemed to work. So they didn't have to rely too much. I mean, uh, Rex had a 17-yard touchdown run. Niles Paul had four catches for 123 yards, uh, including I think he had two touchdowns, but including the 74-yarder. Um, and and I mentioned a, a minute ago why why you would think that there'd be more than than a, a field goal or you know just one field goal in, in that game against uh, Oklahoma is because Alex Henry. Uh, was the kicker in 09 and and a very prominent one? He had a 50-yarder in the uh, in in the bowl game, and the team. This was the first game after the uh, Big 12 championship loss to Texas. My feeling is that this team was pissed off. Um, if you look at uh, that you know that these were some of the names on the defense. Uh, and and you know them all, but I'm just gonna read them because this is what I was finding in my, i I forgot that some of these guys were on that team. Uh, I didn't forget about Sue, uh, didn't forget about Prince Mukamara, but Alfonso Dennard, Jared Crick, Will Compton, Philip Dillard, Dejon Gomes, Eric Martin, and uh, as you mentioned, Matt O'Hanlon, Pierre Allen, uh, Larry Asante, Of all of those defenders that I named, who do you think led the team in tackles that day? If you don't know off the – you know, if you don't know, I I encourage you to take a guess. Pierre Allen? Philip Dillard. Dillard had – Dillard had seven. Matt O'Hanlon had five. Uh, Allen had four, including two sacks for 20 yards, which I thought was impressive. Uh, Sue, Asante, Martin, and Amukamara all had three tackles. Um, and I put the 0-9 Huskers as a better team than the 2017 New England Patriots because the Huskers were able to beat Nick Foles, whereas the Patriots were not able to do so. And I just you remember had, I, had, of, I had I had I had one to, of Pierre I, Allen's. What was that? I, I had to, I had to get that dig in. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm grimacing
0: through the uh, the the jab there, just kind of you know smiling, you know, kind of uh-huh. turning my head a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, hey, my, my team didn't yeah. make it to the Super Bowl, so I can't say nothing.
1: It's duly noted.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: Pierre out Al- one of Pierre Allen sacks on Nick Foles when he did the DX suck it. Yeah. And made sure the ref wasn't looking, and like, oh that was, that's probably one of my favorite moments in Nebraska football history. Oh God, that's was- Because, yeah, and that was just proof that the team was playing pissed off.
0: Yeah, I I mean, uh, I really think that 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 had to be their mentality going in. Like, it was Pelini, you know, it was Bo Pelini for three weeks, four weeks, you know, probably depending on when that Big 12 championship was, you know, close to four weeks anyway, uh, just getting them fired up, fired the bleep up for... This one game and saying, "Hey, for you seniors, go out there and kick their shit in," uh, and that's what they did. I mean, thirty three to nothing. You don't see many, you don't see many blowouts, many shutouts in bowl games because they're, you yeah. know, traditionally good teams that are, you know, facing each other. Uh, but there was just yeah, something evenly about, matched. yeah. Thank you, evenly match. Those were the words I was looking for. Uh, but that was just. That was an Arizona team that had no answer for Nebraska, and it was fun. It was it was a a fun fun one to watch. Um, Before we get to our number ones, uh, I've already mentioned one of my honorable mentions. Did you have any honorable mentions, Austin?
1: Uh, I have a couple of them. Twenty sixteen Oregon. Yeah, that was a that was just a great shootout, and you know Tommy Armstrong. You know, As we discussed earlier, his toughness, he played a man's game that day, just carrying the load, especially late in the game. Um, 2012 Wisconsin as well was up there. The only time we've beaten Wisconsin as members of the Big Ten Conference. And then, um, honestly, after getting blown out by UCLA in 2012 and 2013, beating UCLA in the Foster Farms Bowl down the 2015 season was pretty great as well
0: my uh, other remaining honorable mention uh was the 05 alamo bowl Ooh. against michigan uh down in san antonio of course uh 32 it was the score uh zach taylor threw two touchdown passes uh, uh to terrence nunn the game might be best remembered for uh the the very last play where some uh. players and coaches were running onto the field i guess they thought that that The play was dead, but there were a few seconds left or the game was over. Uh, So that, you know, is reminiscent of the Stanford band uh, running onto the field. You know, it's happened a few times here and there, but, uh, um, you know, the bucket of Gatorade had been dispersed. Um, But what I will always remember about this game, I probably shouldn't. I probably need to, you know, forget about this one, drink this one away. Uh, I watched this game at my then-girlfriend's uh, house with her uh, parents in Tecumseh, Nebraska, uh, home of Matt Davison. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that's all, all I really remember. I just, you know, I watched it with Nebraskans, you know. I didn't, up until, you know, the, the time, I mean, I covered... I reported on, you know, Husker sports, things that came over the Associated Press, but my Saturdays usually were spent watching Shadron State College. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'd get together, you know, or catch, you know, some replays. But until I moved in with, uh, you know, that house full of Husker fans in 06, in I didn't re- even really watch a whole lot. So this was, you know, kind of my, one of my early, early tastes of, uh, of, of Husker football and seeing that fan passion. So, um, Hey, it it didn't work out between me and her, but at least I watched the Huskers win. Um, So that was uh, my other honorable mention. Um, That also was a long drive back from, and I didn't, you know, go that. By the way, there's a little diner. I don't know if it's still there, uh, but a little diner in Tecumseh. I don't even know the name of it. But uh, if you know the name of that diner in Tecumseh, I, I, I recommend going there. If you can't remember the name of it, the, uh, Diner to come, so go to a mall and, and say, "Is this that diner that was talked about on the Five Hour Podcast?" No, okay, carry on. Um, good French toast, I think. I can't remember. It's been a long year, uh, a oh, lot good of years. French
1: toast is hard to
0: beat. Um, all right, so before we get to our number ones, uh, we I did I, I put this out there on social media for other people to uh, chime in, and I sent it to the uh, uh, Coronation Slack chat room uh, for their uh, takes as well. So. Some of them just sent, you know, the, the list. Some of them went into uh, some more details. I'm going to read you what I got, Hoss, and you can, you can chime in uh, as is necessary. And, and I encourage your, your comments and feedback. Uh, Evans, uh, his five to one are Nebraska versus Colorado 2008, uh, Nebraska versus Michigan State 2015, uh, Nebraska versus Oklahoma 2009, Nebraska versus Michigan State 2012, and one that I was kind of surprised didn't make it on either of our lists, at least not, you know, where so far as Nebraska versus Northwestern 2014 and the Hail Mary Wester catch, uh, that was his number one. Um, So obviously some of those have been touched on uh, already. Uh, Salt, as we mentioned uh, earlier, he he didn't really understand the concept when I talked about big wins uh, initially, so his 5-1 five to one uh, is firing I or Peterson number four is getting sue for 2009 then it's firing Callahan firing Bo Pelini and then hiring Scott Frost this is number one Husker win <laughs> um, Husker Mike his he's only given the top three uh, 2010 Mizzou until Martinez destroyed his ankle was a hell of a lot of fun uh, 2000 or is is a uh, Number two was 2009, Oklahoma, when Sue and the Blackshirts terrorized the Sooners. And number one, since, in the quote, this is verbatim, number one, and since I'm old, 1978, Nebraska, Oklahoma, when Billy Sims fumbled at the three-yard line and John Roode almost killed Kelly Phelps on a kickoff return. That was his number
1: one. I'd, I'd say that might be the greatest Nebraska win in a, Season that didn't end with a championship
0: ever, and, and that's the thing. This is all subjective, folks. So when you see the post on social media, feel free to uh, you know throw your favorite you know non. You don't have to necessarily give a, a top five, but you know throw your favorite uh, Husker football victory game victory. I'm going to get as specific as I have to because of salt apparently. Uh, so your favorite Nebraska Cornhusker football game win in a non championship season. Um, Nate, he's, he actually gave us uh, quite a bit of, of narrative as well, so we'll we'll get his 5-1 to one here. 5 uh, was the, the 2011 Ohio State game. Even though it was a down Ohio State team, the fact we came back over uh, down over 20 to win, just throwing Rex Burkhead at them was so much fun. Uh, number 4 was Missouri 2010, which we talked about. He said, I don't know what it was about that game, but that was a stress-filled, several-hour event at Probably as a result of Missouri embarrassing us the prior several years. Then Sue rolls onto Blaine Gabbert's foot. Next day there was a picture uh, that went out of Sue rolling on his foot, and it said, paraphrased, when a man named Sue makes you his bitch. That was a paraphrasing. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I hated Missouri so much. We came back to win and Zach Lee throws that last touchdown and just starts screaming, as did everybody I was watching uh, that game with. It was somewhat cathartic. So that's what he said about the Missouri game. Um, Let's see. His number three was Oklahoma 2009, but he had this is what he said about it. We had zero offense in that game. The only touchdown came after an interception by Prince, I believe, and he got tackled inside the five. Zach Lee to the tight end on a PA pass was all we needed to win. There have been louder moments uh, in Memorial Stadium, but I don't think I've been to a game where the energy and loudness was sustained throughout the entire game. So very much uh, what you said, Hoss. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the cooler moments was during halftime and they had players and coaches from both Oklahoma and Nebraska down on the field. Uh, they went down the starting uh, the line starting with Sam Bradford, then got to Barry Switzer, and the place went crazy. I was thinking how much Nebraska misses those days, and then they got to Tom Osborne, and the place about exploded. Lastly, Matt O'Hanlon got the game-winning interception, just threw the ball up in the air, and I don't know if he got flagged, but nobody cared. The 2009 season is my favorite season of all time. Just think if we had an above-average offense, could have contended for a national title. I think all of that is true. Um, His number two was the Notre Dame 2001. He says, I personally don't remember much about the game, but the fact that Nebraska fans turned it into a quasi-home game is still incredible to think about. And his uh, number one is Oklahoma 2001. He says, I remember the Eric Crouch play. I remember how loud it was in the stadium, but what I'll never forget is the guy behind me who was a complete stranger grabbed my shoulders and started shaking me back and forth like a rag doll after the air Crouch Catch. He apologized right afterwards and said, sorry, I just couldn't help myself. That was a fun game. So that was Nate's 5-1 uh, to one there. Um, let's get to your number one, sir.
1: Restore the order. 2005, Nebraska, Colorado, 30-3. That is... To this day, I've never felt just, and I probably will never feel that way again until we're back to, you know, winning conference championships and national championships. But just to come off of, you know, getting owned by Colorado in 01, 02, beat them in 03, lost to them in 04. I mean, that was at the height of my Colorado hatred. I even had an AOL instant messenger name that was buffs suck 1126. That was and, you. Uh, I yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, when I read that, I, t- I totally took that a different way. That I'm, You know whoa. what? I, that's
1: why I enunciated <laughs> it very very clearly because uh, there could <laughs> someone who maybe doesn't have very good enunciation skills. Yeah, it, it could go uh, in a different direction in a hurry. But, um, man, yeah, I, I just, I mean, Thanksgiving's as a kid were spent just, you have the turkey, the mashed potatoes and the pumpkin pie with a big old helping of just hating Colorado and just, (laughs) you know, anticipating the game the next day. I remember, I think we were 19 point underdogs going into that game on the road and the game kind of started slow. And then the Corey Ross middle screen blew it open and, after that, I mean, Colorado had no answer for us. Joel Klatt was running for his life. Um, Zach Taylor was, I mean, surgical precision that day, and that se- especially in that second quarter, um, just moving, you know, operating the offense at full sail. And um, just seeing Col- the Colorado students who have long been kind of a boogeyman for Nebraska fans, you know, um, get ejected out of the stadium for throwing trash on the field. It was just that, just such a feel good win, and the fact that no, I mean even a lot of Husker fans weren't even giving Nebraska a shot in that game against Colorado. Yeah, we restored the order. I remember I I, uh, I just had to have a shirt after that game. You Still got that shirt, right?
0: No, no, I got uh, rid of it uh, probably about five six years back. Think we'll, think you'll we'll get a new uh, Restore the Order shirt when Nebraska beats Colorado this year.
1: Uh, no, I'm hoping for a Restore the Order shirt when we beat Iowa this year.
0: All right, fair enough. I, I just was trying to find that symmetry there. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was – those the, – the Colorado games were what made me really appreciate the day after Thanksgiving. Um, yep. It, it, now, of course, it's Iowa, which isn't the same. I mean, it's, it's not bad. It's just worse because it's Iowa. And everything in Iowa is worse. Even when you are comparing it to Boulder, um, I don't well, know. At least has mountains. That's true. That's true. Uh, I've I've been up to some of those mountains. I've got good and bad experiences in those mountains. Uh, we're not. That's that's the story for another time. <laughs> I've talked enough. Um, but now I I set my weekend, my Thanksgiving weekend around that Friday. Um, mm-hmm. When uh, he who shall ha- let me try that again—that's the—that's the, that's the light talking. When he who shall not be named said that they were going to look at and then do away with the the day after Thanksgiving game. A part of me died, so I hope that that you know under the new administration that that those are restored promptly. I don't think that you know they were taken off the table long enough that you know anything was etched in stone because I'm sure that probably is not until like the 2020, 21, 22 season, something like that. I just, I I used to work the Saturday, the, the day after that, so that I could be home and watch the football game. It's just, you know. I love I, Black Friday football, so I'm right there with you. And and I think, I think that's why, because I would much rather, and I know this is part, partially me the football fan but also mostly me the guy who hates black friday and being out of the house i don't want to deal with anybody i do it, it'd be different if i was going to the game if i was going to the game i'll more than happily put up with the crowd but i don't want to go to the mall i don't want to go to kohl's i don't want to go to even home depot or bed bath and Beyond. well I, I might go to bed bath and beyond but anyway um, i don't know if there'll be enough time there might not be enough time. Um, I, I want to stay home and watch football, specifically Husker football on the day after Thanksgiving. I want to get that cold turkey leg out of the fridge and some sweet potatoes, if I've had any left, and a pumpkin. or Well, it doesn't even have to be pumpkin. We could do pecan pie. We, well, we like pecan pie in, in our house, too. Um, I That's what I want to do. That's how I want to spend my Friday after Thanksgiving. And so, yeah, that's That's it. That, it was those Colorado games that helped me appreciate that, and and oh five was the heck of a one to you know to get started on. So my number one is actually a game that you mentioned, but I didn't want to I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want I, I wanted how do I say this I didn't want to bring it up then because I didn't want to ruin the surprise maybe of, of my number one, but it is okay. that it is that twenty fifteen Foster Farms Bowl, um, okay day after Christmas uh, twenty fifteen. Nebraska beats UCLA 37-29. It was a rough first year for Mike Riley. Um, yeah. I, and, and I say that, but they were 5-7. and seven, But if you look back at, at how we were many... We are so much better than our record that, that year. Exactly. We That was an 8- or 9-win team that he had the following year. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you've got the Hail Mary loss to uh, uh, oh. BYU. You've got the overtime loss... To uh, uh, Miami. Miami, you've you've got the loss to Wisconsin. Um, oh. You know you've got so many close losses that you know, like I said, that's a team that could have been uh, you know instead of five and seven, they could have been eight and four. That that could have been a nine win team. Um, but you've got Nebraska and UCLA the day after Christmas. You've got Josh Rosen, who you know entering this draft is probably a. a, a you know, top 10 pick, he might be a first round pick. I don't know. I mean, not first round, a a top overall, you know, pick. I don't know. It just depends on if Cleveland wants to kill another quarterback or not. Uh, They need to pick up anybody, but a quarterback that, that meme that, that is going around the internet of, of the Cleveland fan with all the names going down, they're needing to extend the picture because the picture is not long enough. It's not tall enough for all the names on the back of that meme. Anyway, um, Nebraska ran for 326 yards in that game. Um, Rosen was, I don't know, uh, his, his influence was minimal. Um, they outscored the Bruins 16-8 to eight in the second half. In that game, uh, Tommy Armstrong passed Eric Crouch and moved to second on Nebraska's career total offense list. Think of that. Tommy Armstrong, if he played for a, a better Nebraska team, could have been, you know, he he passed a Heisman trophy winner. He could have been, you know, in consideration. If the team around him, if the coaches put him in a better position, he could mm-hmm. have he could have been a candidate. Do you think with if, if we're talking just statistics and his leadership capability, his grit that you know, that, that we've used his gamer added. Did Tommy Armstrong possess the tool set to win a Heisman if the team around him was better or if if the the program was in a better place?
1: Physically, in terms of like running ability and just physical toughness I would have to say yes, but in terms of passing, and this is the big one, he just didn't process information, you know. I don't even want to say process information in terms of quarterback reads. Um, he just didn't process decision-making very quickly, um, especially, you know, in terms of going through his progression. So basically back to square one where I started. Um <laughs> There were a lot of there were a lot of instances where he tried to throw the alert route in Riley's offense when it just wasn't there, and he was a little too slow at times to pull the trigger on some RPOs. And um, he made he was a great zone read runner, but there sometimes that there were too often there were times that he made the wrong read. Um, I don't know if that could have been the coaches giving him the you know pull or keep you know pull or give read you know predetermined. But I just don't know, like in a Frost offense, for instance, I don't know if he pulls the trigger quite fast enough in his decision-making. Like, say, you know, a Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. or, um, you know, I'm trying to, you know, Vince Young would be another good example of someone who just made real quick decisions out of the spread. Cam, Newton. Cam Newton, probably. Just, what was that? Uh,
0: you could say Cam Newton, put him in that.
1: Yeah, Cam Newton, that's a, that's a great one. Um, great example. But in terms of statistics and just terms of what he meant to a team, you know, of being a weapon and, you know, being able to, you know, move an offense down the field, I would have to think that with a better supporting cast, he would have been even more dangerous, um, even more of a better player, especially like in, you know, 15 and 16, if he would have had a good offensive line in front of him and, you know, a good good running game because after Amir left you know in 14 we haven't had you know very good tailback play. As and dynamic so, right. Yeah I mean with a better supporting cast I think he probably puts together something better than what he did and that Foster Farms Bowl is a really good example of the staff putting him in good positions to succeed we kind of switched to more of a spread run game you know for that and, bowl game. And,
0: and um, it's, it's been mentioned we'd have done it earlier. Yeah, yeah, it, it's been mentioned here. You know, it, I've, I'm sure I've mentioned it to you, uh, and and I know I mentioned it to Brian as well in in early, uh, ep- early, early episodes of the Five Heart Podcast. But I looked at that Foster Farms Bull. Yeah, they might have been five and seven going into the bull game. They might have still entered the offseason with a losing record, but I think they carried a lot of uh, uh, optimism. Uh, op- optimism. optimism is not a word optimism <laughs> into the offseason yep. after that win uh and they were able like i said they parlayed that into a 9-win uh season in 2016 um all of that aside it's not the most dynamic uh you know it's it's not the it's not the best game even on my five but the reason and this is what i mentioned earlier you know sometimes my emotions uh uh, you know, things going on, my my immediate environment uh, helps, you know, cloud my judgment, if you will. But th- the reason that this game for me is number one on my list as far as favorite, you know, wins, Husker football game wins, as specific as I can be, uh, in a non-championship season, is this was the first game that I watched with my son. Uh, he was three days old. Uh, he was... Maybe five pounds because he was born five weeks early. Uh, So we're hanging out in the hospital in St. Louis. you got to remember, this was a late, late, I mean, this was 6.15 local time, you know, in Santa Clara. It was 8.15 kickoff uh, here in in the central time zone. So he's asleep, obviously. My wife is, you know, probably working on schoolwork because she was going to school, you know, has been going to school since uh, the beginning of 2015. Um, But I'm sitting there in the hotel or not in the hotel in the hospital watching this game on my ipad because we're in uh just a quick and uh, well since they closed the unit down i, I don't think i can you know I, I can give the layout without you know uh anyway it's a place called a special care nursery and it's essentially for preemies and, and and our son as i mentioned was born early and uh, uh underweight and didn't really want to eat right away so he had an ng tube uh uh you know, down so that they essentially put the milk and formula in him so he didn't have to worry about it because he was so little. Um, but it was not like it, we weren't in an individual room, so there was no TV. But they had Wi-Fi, and I had my iPad. So I set the iPad up, and I'm holding him as, as I'm watching the game. And it's just, might be, it, they may win championships, but uh, you know, in, in in my lifetime, and I certainly hope they do, and and uh, certainly in, in my son's lifetime as well. But that that game right there will always be special because that was the first one, man. That was that was the first time I got to share Husker football with my boy, and uh, he won't remember it, <laughs> but I'll never forget it. Uh, so someday I can tell him about it. He'll look at me and be like, uh, "Dad, I I got bad news for you. I'm a Missouri fan," or you know, something ridiculous oh. like. <laughs> Oh Greg, no! <laughs> no, it won't. That won't happen. <laughs> uh, he, he, he I tell you what, he he looks too dang adorable in Husker gear, and he's got a new little Husker jersey my wife found for him at Goodwill for two ninety nine. So uh, uh, he'll be go. he'll be running around here wearing the number one proudly. So um, Lawrence but, Phillips, yeah. Um, so that that's my uh, uh, list. That's your list. That's our list, folks. Like I said, if you've got a top five or maybe just the top. You know, favorite game, you know, top three, whatever, share with us. Uh, Let us know you're out there on social media. Uh, You can find this uh, show, this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Those are the two services that we've been on the longest. Um, And also our our newest uh, additions, Google Play and Podbean. So uh, check that out. Make sure you subscribe. If you subscribe, you get the, uh, excuse me, the episodes downloaded right to your device uh, without any... Uh, interference from you. You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to push a button. You just got to make sure it's there, and then listen and comment. And uh, next week, Haas, we're we're we are we are we have had the highest of highs. Next week, we're going to go to our most frustrating of frustrations. Um, excited, excited to hear what your five are and, and an honorable mention or two. Um, do you yeah. have Do you have your list Green. ready or? Uh, yeah, it's sitting here right so, in front of me. So you are ready to go. As, yep, I, uh, am, I am. I am not prepared, so we can't do a back-to-back recording. Even we're gonna have to do this recording next week.
1: <laughs> this is gonna be. I mean, literally, it's there. There's probably you know might come close to have some tears shed talking about some of these <laughs> games. Just the the frustration of it.
0: In, in hindsight, hindsight being twenty twenty, as they as people claim it is, should we have done the bad one first and then finished up with the happy, or? No, nah, <laughs> you know,
1: because here here's the thing that, at least to me, you know, when it comes to losses, I'm one those people. I hate losing more than I like winning. You know, you win, you're like, okay, you know, on to the next. You know, right? Uh, unless, it's, of course, you know, it's a big. A, something really big in your life that you win at, you know, whatever that might be, you know, in personal life, you know, and, um, you know, just being a Nebraska fan. But like Barry Switzer always said, uh, you remember the losses, the details of the losses, you know. You don't remember the wins as much, you know. I mean, looking, as I was writing out my list of the top wins, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that was great. That was fun. You know, I enjoyed that one, you know and then like as i started writing the losses out i was just like oh man like <laughs> I'm, I'm you know it's like you just feel that you know some of the feelings that you felt after the game you know just that that rock at the bottom of your gut or just the you know the frustration as an opposing running back breaks out into the open or you know an opposing db snags a pass you know at a you know really important juncture of the game and uh, I mean, it's probably a testament to you know the we've had some pretty hard luck losses the past mm-hmm. twenty years, and uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to discuss. And I, I think there's going to be a common thread amongst you know my top five, your top five, everyone else's top five. Just one
0: team about
1: nine hundred miles <laughs> south of Lincoln. <laughs> so I uh,
0: the, there's one. I unfortunately I don't remember the. Uh, uh, opponent but there was one game this past season where it, it had to be a close game going towards the end where we might have lost in the last few minutes but I'm sitting on the couch something egregious happens I jump up yelling obscenity almost you know stomp on my kid and my wife's sitting on the couch with like a look of dread and fear on and like uh, okay son we're gonna get in the van and go now and uh We'll send for our stuff. Yeah, it was that kind of like I, I don't know what what game it was, uh, but I know that I was exceptionally pissed off. Um,
1: I have made a uh, I have made a horse's ass out of myself many times in anger during Nebraska football games. So um, yeah, I, it's uh, <laughs> I, I've had people watching a game with me just look at me going. Who the hell are you right now? You know, I, I'm a well-adjusted, you know, yeah, sure. nice guy for 38 weeks out of the year, but on 14 Saturdays in the fall and early winter, um, I'm, a bit, I'm a little bit of a different cat. I'm a little bit of an ill-adjusted
0: individual. Well, this has been a lot of fun, um, and hopefully, everybody listening has enjoyed it as well, and and maybe you know, like the the feelings that. Uh, you know, and, and the thoughts and the memories that I get when I listen to uh, Tom and Jim's Top 5 on uh, where, wherever your fine podcasts uh, are available. Um, hopefully that brings back some of the memories and they're like, oh yeah, I remember that game. That was really fun. Or or maybe it brings up uh, another game. Like I said... It, if you are listening to this, and most people, uh, when they comment, probably comment on Coronation. So go ahead and throw in your, uh, like I said, throw in your top five. Or We're on Facebook at uh, Five Heart Podcast. That is uh, five written out. Unlike on Twitter, where it's the number five, Heart Podcast. Uh, anyway, you can find us. We're not difficult to find uh, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, and, hey, we've got. Uh, See, this will drop on Friday. There's some men's basketball to be played Friday uh, from Madison yes, Square sir. Garden. So, uh, as we record this, we still don't know who the opponent will be. That's neither here nor there. Uh, all we have to do is that thing that we do. And uh, I'm Greg Mahochko. This is Haas Reuter, uh, reminding you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the hearts you need. Go Big Red! And Haas, what is it that the men's basketball team needs to do?
1: win the damn game. Booyah. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.